Good evening. This is Newsbang, and here are the headlines. Mayans cursed with 5,000-year hangover. UN says no to racism, but not enough. And Tomcat F-14 Grumman flies for the first time. Plus coming up, the story of a man who wakes up as a bacon roll. Those are the headlines. News News. 9 o'clock news. News Bang. Unapologetic, uncompromising and unwaveringly honest. 2012. In the year 12, the Maya civilization celebrated the end of a 5,126-year cycle in their calendar. The Maya, known for their temples, glyphs, art, architecture and mathematics, were also renowned for their party planning skills. The Mesoamerican Long Count calendar was used by several cultures in the region and counted down to a mythical creation date. The event was met with mixed reactions. Some feared the end of days. Others saw it as an excuse for a knees-up. In the end, neither happened. The world didn't end, but there were some cracking parties. One attendee, Juan Cena from Guatemala City, said, It was mental. I woke up next to a jaguar wearing my pants. The Maya themselves were unavailable for comment, but left behind a note saying LOL, carved in stone tablets. Experts now turn their attention to the next doomsday prediction, an asteroid named Nigel due to hit Earth in 2024. In 1965, in a move that has been described as woke and politically correct, the United Nations today voted to ban racism. The International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, or I Can't Believe It's Not Racism, was signed by 888 member states, including the usual suspects, Sweden, Canada and Lesotho. The treaty requires signatories to criminalise hate speech and join Antifa. The UN, which stands for Unbearably Nannying, is based in New York City, where it's believed they couldn't care less about free speech. Critics argue the treaty will stifle free speech, while supporters say it will finally end racist jokes at office parties. In related news, comedian Nigel Bigotson has been arrested for his 1970s material. His agent said, It's a travesty. He only used to tell those jokes ironically. <laughs> 1970. 1970, and the Grumman F-14 Tomcat took to the skies for the first time. This supersonic fighter jet, developed for the US Navy's VFX program, was built to dominate the skies and impress women. The Tomcat, as it's known in aviation circles, is designed for air-to-air -air combat and air superiority. Eyewitnesses describe the maiden flight as awe-inspiring and louder than my ex-wife. The plane's sleek design and impressive maneuverability have already sparked jealousy among other fighter jets. One MiG-21 pilot was heard to say, I don't know whether to engage it or ask for its tail number. The Tomcat is expected to serve in various roles, including air superiority, fleet defense, and being a total show-off at air shows. The US Navy hopes this new addition will strike fear into the hearts of their enemies or at least make them slightly apprehensive with a hint of envy. News Bang! A bottomless well of verifiable facts served up fresh daily. Shakanaka Giles is here to bring you the weather. Expect a roaring lion, a snowman's nose and a polar bear's breath. Stay tuned for the forecast.
And now, the weather. Starting in the southeast, it'll be a bit of a doozy. Uh, imagine a roaring lion, then add a bit of mist and you've got the weather. A bit like a really bad flu, but with rain. In the Midlands, it's a bit like a winter wonderland. Expect snowflakes the size of a snowman's nose, falling gently onto the ground. Just remember to wrap up warm and keep an eye out for penguins. Now, to Scotland and the north of England. The skies will be clear and cold, like a polar bear's breath, and by nightfall, the stars will be out in full force, as if they're the guests at a winter wedding. In summary then, a roaring lion, a snowman's nose, and a polar bear's breath. And that's all the weather. Date 1995. In 1995, the year 1995, an important step was taken in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as Israeli troops withdrew from Bethlehem after the Oslo II Accord. This accord aimed to establish Palestinian self-government in the occupied territories and led to the creation of the Palestinian Authority. The city of Bethlehem has been significant due to its religious importance and tourism, especially during Christmas. Understanding this context would be essential for following events in the region. To discuss these developments further, let's connect with our correspondent Brian Bastable, who is on ground in Bethlehem, for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, you are witnessing a history-making event. Before your eyes, the once barren wasteland of Bethlehem transforms into a vibrant garden of opportunity and hope. The people of Bethlehem celebrate the withdrawal of Israeli troops from their town, the first step towards the establishment of Palestinian self-government. The land that was once a battlefield is now a playground for children, their laughter ringing through the streets. But as the Palestinian Authority takes control of the area, it becomes clear that the struggle for peace is far from over. The roads are barricaded and the soldiers stand guard at every corner. The city is under siege and every step we take feels like a gamble. Despite the tension in the air, the people of Bethlehem refuse to let fear hold them back. They are determined to build a better future for themselves and their children, and they will not let the violence of the past hold them back. As the sun sets on this historic day, we leave you with a glimmer of hope. The future of Bethlehem may be uncertain, but one thing is clear. The people of this city are determined to create a better tomorrow for themselves and for the world. So let us join together wherever we are and hold the people of Bethlehem in our hearts as they embark on this journey. Brian Bastable, Newsbang. 2018. This year, 2018 has seen the British Special Boat Service detain multiple stowaway threats. In an incident on the container ship Grande Tema, the SBS apprehended four individuals who had endangered the crew with threats and violence. The unit is known for its involvement in classified operations since World War II and plays a crucial part in maritime counter-terrorism. Additionally, in December of the same year, another situation arose where four stowaways threatened the ship before being found guilty and given prison sentences for a fray and making threats to kill. 
And now reporting on these incidents is our criminal correspondent, Ken Shit. Good evening, degenerates. As we journey back to the year of our Lord 2018, let's not forget the British Special Boat Service, a special forces unit of the Royal Navy that's been kicking ass since World War II. These badasses are responsible for maritime counter-terrorism, and they don't mess around. In December of that fateful year, the SBS received a distress call from the container ship Grande Tema. Four stowaways had boarded the vessel and were threatening the crew like a bunch of wild animals. The SBS sprang into action like a pack of wolves on the hunt, boarding the ship and taking down these scumbags in a matter of minutes. These stowaways thought they could get away with their bullshit near British shores, but they were dead wrong. They made threats to kill and caused a fray, but they didn't count on the might of the SBS. The bad guys were later found guilty and received prison sentences for their crimes. This is Ken Shit, reminding you that no matter how tough things get, there will always be heroes out there ready to protect us from harm. God bless the British Special Boat Service. In 1965, the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination was adopted by the United Nations in 1965, signed by 88 member states and aiming to eradicate racial discrimination and promote racial understanding. But has it succeeded? The global jury's still out. Joining us now on the telephone is our persistent correspondent Hardeman Pesto. Well, Martin, it's a significant event in the history of human rights. This convention is an important step towards peace and equality among all people. Yes, Pesto, it is an important step. However, it's also quite ironic that you're reporting on this event considering your recent gaffes. I don't know what you're talking about, Martin. Oh, come on, Pesto. We both know that you've been making a fool of yourself left and right. I'm doing my best, Martin. I'm just trying to report on the news. That's the problem, Pesto. You're not doing your best. You're making a mockery of the news. That's not true, Martin. I take my job seriously. Oh, please, you're a walking punchline. I resent that, Martin. I work hard to bring the news to the people. And yet you can't even get the most basic facts straight. It's a sad state of affairs. That's enough, Martin. I won't be belittled like this. You're doing a bang-up job of that all on your own, Pesto. I'm ending this interview. Good, Pesto. Because I was going to ask you about that. What? How you managed to screw up the date. Again. That's enough, Martin. You can't even get the year right, Pesto. I'm ending this interview. Oh, you're such a joke, Pesto. Goodbye, Martin. Good riddance, Pesto. We're done here. <sighs> News bang. The pulse of the people in the rhythm of reality. Tonight, we're taking a trip back in time to 1994, when the Mexican volcano Popocatapetl erupted after a long period of dormancy. Joining us with this fascinating tale is Penelope Winchime, who will share insights on the event and its impact on the local community. Green evening to all, Penelope Winchime here with whispers from the past on this very day in 1994. Our dear planet Earth, she speaks in rumbles and breathes through ash as the slumbering giant Popocatapetl, Mexico's stoic sentinel that stood silent for nearly half a century, has roared back to life. This dramatic awakening of Earth's fiery spirit saw the second highest peak in Mexico burst forth into a tempestuous dance, turning dormant dreams into a blazing tango of molten rock, 
and billowing plumes. Residents gazed in awe and a little trepidation as their mountainous neighbour decided it was time to shake off its dusty blanket and throw a pyroclastic party. Imagine 47 years of snoozing and then, whoosh, the peak becomes the talk and the terror of the town. And what a spectacle it must have been. A natural fireworks display courtesy of Mother Nature's deep earth dynamics. Some say if you listened closely you could hear the ancient Aztec gods bowling strikes against the sky. But let's spare a thought for our feathered friends. Oh, how they must have flapped at such an eruption of Earth's innermost secrets. And wouldn't it be just like nature to remind us that beneath our feet she is ever dancing, ever changing? So let us remember, as we stand upon this twirling blue-green stage, that even giants wake up cranky after 47 years of sleep. I'm Penelope Winchime, riding the seismic waves of history. Stay rooted, my friends. Good day to you. 1988. Calamity Prenderville is about to present a segment on the Antonov An-25 Maria, the world's heaviest aircraft, which made its maiden flight in 1988. This British-engineered marvel was designed by a secretive group within the Soviet Union and could carry an impressive amount of cargo. Tune in for more on this fascinating piece of aviation history. On this day in 1988, the skies were forever changed with the maiden flight of the Antonov An-25 Maria, the world's heaviest aircraft. This behemoth of the skies was designed and built by the Antonov Design Bureau, a secretive group of British engineers working deep within the heart of the Soviet Union. Nicknamed the Big Ben, this colossal craft was a marvel of British ingenuity. With its six turbofan engines, it could carry more than 20 double-decker buses or 1,000 routemasters. The wingspan alone was wider than the M25 during rush hour, the Maria's primary purpose? Strategic airlift cargo, meaning it could transport anything from Concorde to a small village's worth of sheep. It even had a special attachment for carrying double-wide caravans, revolutionising holidays for oversized families. Despite its size, the Maria was surprisingly agile, thanks to its innovative British lift technology. This top-secret system harnessed the power of warm beer fumes and Coronation Street theme tanks to defy gravity itself. Sadly, due to noise complaints from startled pigeons and concerns over shading out the sun, only one Memoria was ever built. However, its legacy lives on as a testament to British engineering prowess, disguised as Soviet ingenuity. So next time you see an enormous aircraft overhead, remember, it's probably just an Airbus A380. Or is it? This is Calamity Prenderville from Newsbank, signing off. Newsbang, the news, but make it fashion. 2012. The Maya civilization, well known for their architectural prowess and mind-bending calendar system, are now in the spotlight as the world awaits the year 2012 marking the conclusion of a 5,126-year cycle. 
As the ancient Mayans continue to captivate historians and researchers with their mythical creation date and supernatural calendar, anticipation grows over what this pivotal year might hold. Reporter Smithsonian Moss is with us now to discuss more about the Mayan legacy and its impact on our world today. Now at this point of the evening we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us. Waho, bitches! It's your boy, Smithsonian Moss, here to take your culture report on the creepiest day of the year. That's right, son. We're turning back time. Oh, the way to 2012, baby. Get hyped. Don't deny it. You know what's cooler than a snake with wings? The ancient Maya civilization. Dude, these folks could have given the fucking Egyptians a run for their pyramid money. We're talking architecture glyphs, galleries, and art, math magic, did we mention it's magic, and cosmic know-how that could make modern astronomers look like they've got dumbbells for brains. But none of that means shizzle if the Mayans didn't celebrate the end of a fucking 5,126-year cycle. I mean, who are we to judge, right? It's their party and they can cosmic time end if they want to. And do you want to know what the big enchilada is? They weren't just chilling. These cosmic-loving chaps were doing the wild thing when it came to calendar skills. It's like they're the apple of their time, the first brand to roll out that whole digital calendar deal. And don't even get me started on their long-count calendar. I mean, what's not to love, you dig? Dude, they even gave us this doozy of a number, 18,720,000. That's right, my hooligans. They knew numbers bigger than what the adults in the room are even comfortable with. It's like they were some sort of ancient astronauts, only way cooler because they were actually real. I bet this is why they got their heads hacked off later, am I right? So, let's all give it up for the Mayans, because without them, who knows where our cultural trajectory would be. We might be stuck with Roman numerals and having to tell time using sticks and stones, right? Right? Don't you dare forget this, folks, because as we all know, without our shared history, we'd just be a bunch of aimless time travelers without a past to keep things exiting. Remember this and revel in the glory. Ah, woo-hoo! News bang. A whiff of something stronger than smoke. Plus 11.24. In the now ancient year 1124, a tumultuous event unfolded that would shape the future of the Catholic Church for years to come. Amid the political turmoil and power struggles of that time, Lamberto Scanabecchi emerged victorious after a fierce contest in the papal election. Seemingly undeterred by an initial assault and subsequent injury, he would become Pope Honorius II, playing a pivotal role in shaping the religious landscape. And now, let's hear from our expert on religion, Pastor Kevin Monstrance. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Always a pleasure to be back amongst friendly faces for another riveting edition of Newsbang. <laughs> now, I must say, the producer's choice of topic for tonight's monologue has me scratching my noggin. 1124 papal elections? Why, that's nearly a millennium ago. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. 
let alone the ins and outs of twelfth-century Vatican politics, though I do seem to recall it involved a fair bit of backstabbing and skullduggery, not unlike the average faculty meeting at St. Hilda's School for Troubled Vicars, where I taught for a spell. <laughs> ah, yes, St. Hilda's. Now there was a den of iniquity masquerading as an institute of learning. By that's not us. It's la chitajidan. But I digress. Tonight's tale takes us back to 1124, when one Lamberto Scannabecci threw his bejeweled hat into the ring to become the next Bishop of Rome. Now Lamberto fancied himself a shoe-in for the top job, being cousin to the previous Pope and all, but a rival faction had other ideas and put forth their own candidate, a wily old cardinal named Phineas McGillicuddy. <laughs> Election day came, and what a scene it was. Lamberto swaggering about St. Peter's Basilica, glad-handing the cardinals, playing the political game with gusto. Meanwhile, wizened old Cardinal McGillicuddy sat quietly in a corner, sipping tea and muttering the occasional Hail Mary under his breath. <laughs> when the votes were finally tallied, it was pandemonium. Lamberto had somehow lost. He immediately accused McGillicuddy of rigging the election and paying off electors with communion wine and incense. A riot practically broke out in the Sistine Chapel. Punches were thrown. Cassocks ripped asunder. Poor Lamberto even took a gold chalice to the noggin amidst the chaos. <laughs> After the dust settled and various cardinals were peeled off the floor, a revote was hastily organised. And wouldn't you know it, this time Lamberto scraped a narrow victory. So he became Pope Honorius too, though it was said he forever bore a dent in his mitre from that errant chalice. <laughs> Just goes to show, even in the hallowed halls of the Vatican, tempers and ambitions can flare when it comes to obtaining power. Why, it reminds me of the old joke about the two altar boys. <laughs> Seems there were two mischievous altar boys. Petey and Ramus, who decided to play a prank on the priest one Sunday. The plan was for Petey to hide under the pulpit before Mass, and when the priest began his sermon, Petey would reach out with a long pole and hook the priest's trousers, yanking them down. A silly prank, and perhaps a bit disrespectful, but boys will be boys. <laughs> so Sunday comes, and Petey hides under the pulpit, pole in hand, waiting to carry out their joke. The priest begins his sermon, waxing poetic about charity and morality. Petey reaches out with the pole, hooks the waistband, but gives it a mighty yank, only to find the polo won't budge. Confused, Petey peers out and realises to his horror that he hadn't hooked the priest's trousers after all. It was the trousers of the visiting bishop. <laughs> well, Petey was so frightened, he stayed curled up under that pulpit the entirety of Mass, Afterwards, a furious Ramus confronted him, asking what happened. I hooked the wrong trousers, cried Petey. You nitwit, yelled Ramus. You were supposed to hook the priest, not the bishop. To which Petey replied, Yes, I know, but gosh, that bishop sure has a bum on him. <laughs> and on that cheeky note, I bid you good night. Stay tuned for more light-hearted irreverence here on Newsbang. <laughs> And now the headlines in tomorrow's papers. The Times. Mao's cultural revolution fails, leaves China in tatters. The Guardian. Sent down youths sent packing in Mao's purge. The Sun. 
Mao Mao, Chairman's plan backfires, seeking to blame. Daily Mail, Bernhard Goetz shooting sparks race row on subway. New York Post, Goetz off the rails, subway vigilante shoots teens, dodges bullet in court. And finally, the Daily Thompson, US Congress bans trade with alien overlords in Embargo Act of 1807 fiasco. That's it for tonight's Newsbank. Remember, if you want more nonsensical headlines and ridiculous takes on history, tune in tomorrow when we ask, did King Henry VIII really have a French poodle called Colin? Good night, and don't forget to avoid large flying poultry. Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night.